everyone, I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch. Welcome back to the Active Life Podcast. And for those of you who are new, welcome for the first time. The goal of conversations like today's with Logan Gelbrick is to learn from the experience of others so that we might more quickly move towards mastery of ourselves and our mission. Logan Gelbrick owns Deuce Gym in Venice, California, and he is a thought leader in the fitness world. Logan's experience comes from a career in professional baseball as well as intentional learning from some of the most dedicated coaches in fitness. He has a mindset that comfort is a liability and that the pursuit is everything. And with that mindset, Logan has fostered a culture of learning and growth at Deuce Gym that's unparalleled. Today's conversation is more of a storytelling experience than a question and answer interview. And Logan's depth of thought is so deep that for the most part, I just gave him small pushes and directions where I had interest and he took over and ran with the rest. If you enjoy listening to exceptional people tell stories about their journey, this is an episode that you absolutely do not want to miss. This conversation is brought to you by Performance Sleep Mattress. I happen to sleep on a Performance Sleep every single night, and since making the change from a standard mattress to a Performance Sleep Mattress, I've slept better than ever. My wife, who used to toss and turn and complain about her old mattress, has never complained since we made the switch, and that's even while she's been pregnant. Um, If you're worried like I was that you might not like the mattress and that you then have to send it back and pay all these shipping fees, Performance Sleep takes care of that for you. There's no return fees. They'll give you a full refund if you don't like it, and they'll even give you a hundred nights to sleep on it as a guarantee. Um, if you don't like it, they'll come to your house and pick it up. If you're thinking about getting yourself a new mattress, I cannot recommend Performance Sleep highly enough. If you head to their website, Performa, that's P-E-R-F-O-R-M-A Sleep. you can use the code ACTIVE, that's A-C-T-I-V-E, at checkout for $100 off. I hope you enjoy today's conversation as much as I did. Yeah. All right. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. This is cool. I, uh, you know, I am learning as I go, and I think it's crazy anytime someone wants to hear from me because I'm just trying to learn myself. So, um, I appreciate all the kind words, man. No, it's, it's, it's no problem. I mean, for, you know, I think that what I've learned in, in talking to people, working with people, being coached by people and having the fortune of coaching some people is that the people who are more eager to learn are typically the ones who are going to be the most interesting to learn from. Oh, totally. And that, 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 that's, that's the biggest thing that drew me to you. I mean, it's besides the fact that, you know, for, for until I went to the CrossFit games in California, I couldn't figure out how you operated a gym that was open air all the time living, <laughs> yeah. living in New York. I'm like, I hadn't been to Southern California. So for me, it was, how the hell does this guy have class when it rains? Yeah, like, oh, totally. it doesn't rain. Totally. Yeah, totally. We've actually had more rain and this is good i exaggerate a lot when i'm trying to uh you know take a stab at being funny but uh you know i'm not exaggerating when i say in the last probably three months we've had more rain than in the last five years like combined yeah it's been crazy so what do you do as a gym i mean as as a business owner who needs his place to be open when it's raining for for, to me when we when we can open the bay door at our place, it's a totally different vibe in the gym. Totally. So many people actually make that point too. They're like, 
on the best day of the year, we get excited to open up the door and then we like take a squat rack outside just to like get a taste. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, you're an asshole. Cause you know, whatever. Um, I, you know, we jinxed ourselves for a long time by saying it never rains here. And then that was true, but you know, it has rained a bunch. We always make it work. You know what I mean? The, the training is adapted if it needs to be. Um, but we, you know, there is some inside <laughs> part, right. right? So, so it works. Okay. We, we make it work. Yeah. Fair enough. I guess that's the easiest My, answer. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is a California statement I'm about to make, but you know, I, I haven't told anybody this, but I've thought it for sure. If the conversation were to come up is like, if your fitness success is predicated on, uh, the weather, then it's not, it's not the weather. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I totally right, see what right. you're saying. Let's, yeah. So let's have a real let's have a real conversation. Is it really that you couldn't get to that class because uh, it was raining, and not the other issues of faulty compliance and commitment? And you know what I mean? It's like that's not really what's happening. You know, so. Sure. If you didn't train every single day that it rained in California, you would still have have the opportunity to be the fittest you've ever been in your entire life. I believe that. I (laughs) believe that. Yeah. (laughs) So first and foremost, for the people who don't know all that much about you, you, you played college baseball and then you played minor league baseball in the Padres system, right? That's right. And two years there. Is that right? Two years. Yeah. I was a catcher. I bounced around my second year. I got like sort of accidentally promoted really fast. Um, and I say accidentally just because of circumstantial things, you know? So I think I was like the first guy in my draft class to get sent to double a, which was a matter of injury and circumstance. And then, so I kind of got stuck coming back down and I finished uh, that year in high a, and that was sort of, the end of my career but um yeah those were impactful years for sure in a lot of ways what do you mean by that um you know everything not everything but most things worth learning i would say in my life i learned through that pursuit you know a lot of cool things happen when you make yourself vulnerable to a pursuit of excellence i mean i i as long as I can remember, you know, five, six, seven years old, I had a very specific goal and that goal came with like insanely high standards. And so, you know, I think that the details of the goal matter much less, but when you sort of have a lens through which you make all of your decisions, at least filter through, um, it creates a pretty interesting life of transferable skill. You know what I mean? It's like 20 years of like commitment to something, you know, and, um, without like hedging, you know, and providing like an out is is really powerful, you know? So I think the whole business thing, you know, if I'm good at that, it's because of the baseball thing. If I'm good at, uh, coaching, it's because of that. If I'm good, anything that I would say, you know, I'm a, I'm a threat to be valuable in is directly affected by my pursuit of that sport. 
So, you know, the goal was to be a professional baseball player to play in the majors. Yep. Absolutely. So I think this is an awesome opportunity for other people to learn that, you know, you, you obviously, you pursued that goal. You, you did everything that you needed to do to get to that goal. And it, it didn't manifest for you. Yeah. But, um, but you're still a successful person in, in your own right. And I think that someone, people can learn a lot from. So how did, how did that, how do you go through that? The kind of, you know, people think A to Z success is a straight line. Um, mm-hmm. and they don't see all the dips in the valleys and the peaks and the, how, how, did, how did you take the experience of not getting where you wanted to go there? And how do you apply that towards what you're doing now? Well, you know, to be fair, without creating a plan B or a plan C or whatever insurance for myself, I, I knew that when I was done playing that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And, you know, I think all of this is predicated on the idea that we have one basic duty, in my opinion. This is my worldview that we have. That's what we're talking I, a do yeah a duty to like evolve ourselves and that creates an interesting dynamic because it creates more good for yourself and more good for your community but it's also a relative burden that stays true forever right so there's no finish line if i would have played 10 years in the major leagues i still would have been here today having this conversation with you maybe i had a couple more years to play you know what i mean you know what i mean yeah. like i'd be at the end of maybe a 10 year career right now and then what happens, you know, and I firmly believe that the weight of that responsibility stays with us or it ought to stay with us throughout the entirety of our life. If we're going to maximize our time here. Right. And so that feeling of responsibility made it quite easy. You know, uh, I would, you know, when I was done at whatever age that was 23, you know, I felt unlike a lot of my peers, I felt like, uh, there's no time to waste. You know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be dead in 70 years, but let's get going. Like what's the, the next thing. And I felt no real sadness or, you know, I didn't feel sorry for myself. I was so excited for the uncertainty that was before me. And, uh, you know, I've described this to someone else before. I remember that time, which is, uh, you know, I think most athletes would describe when their career is over, especially if you did your craft for a long time as a very depressing time, you know, especially if you like attach your identity to that thing and, and all that. And it's people often like never really recover from that. Their life is about like glory days and it's just, you know, it gets pretty dark. And I remember not having, any of that really I felt so comfortable with the unknown what was seemingly quite scary what are you going to do with the rest of your life I felt so comfortable because I felt extremely prepared I was like fully aware that no one there I've never met someone this is going to sound egotistical but I've never met someone who could like out commit themselves to something or outwork themselves and that's whatever that whether that's egotistical or not like it's just that was what i believed so that that was an easy thing to walk out into the world in and just feel some comfort like you know 
um, I could create anything that I wanted with the rest of my life. And so, um, that constant evolution, I think is just a, a, a cool umbrella to put over your life that just always holds you accountable and always sort of bears fruit, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's actually a, uh, I think it's Briggs Meyer is the personality test that, that, that they've actually quantified what you were just talking about. You ever heard of the, have you ever heard of enterprising potential? I've heard of, I think it's Myers Briggs, right? Myers Briggs, like, yes, yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. Thanks. Yeah, I've heard of that. I don't know. What was the thing that you just said? Enter- potential? Enterprising potential. Oh, no. So basically what they look for is they want to say, okay, how well would you perform if the rug was pulled out from underneath you? Right. Right. And, and, and it's it, being really, really fast to act and being really, really slow to act are not necessarily good or bad. It just indicates how, how quickly we're able to hop back onto our feet. And you, yeah. you kind of described the idea that these guys identify themselves and women and, you know, in fitness and in, in any sport, men and women identify themselves as the athlete that that sport represents. And then when that sport is gone, they're like, well, who am I? Then? Um, yeah. But it sounds like you were able to say, okay, well now I'm going to be an entrepreneur. That's who I am. Yeah. And it probably means that not that we would ever wish it on you, but that if anything ever happened with deuce or anything else that you're involved in, you'd be on to the next thing and making it work. Cause that's what you do. Yeah. Without question. I think uh, maybe I'm a crazy person, but you know, I think about that all the time, you know, it's like, what does this look like two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, what's the story when the gym has to close, you know, some sort of government intervention on like zoning of our building or some, <laughs> you know, crazy stuff happens, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah. And, um, there's a unbelievable comfort that I have about the future. Um, you know, we all play by the same rules and there's one sort of certainty. And that is that the only certainty is like uncertainty straight up. Right. Mm-hmm. That's true for you. That's true for me. Uh, we can create all the models we want and all of the statistical analysis, but the only thing that is certain is that we cannot perfectly predict the future. And so you're either going into that uncertainty with a certain set of skills or you're not. Right. And I, you know, I think if you're aware and pursuing some transferable skill, then you are just more fit to deal with that than someone else. Sure. I mean, I I can relate to you in that, that that's kind of the same kind of person that I am. We had hurricane Sandy here, which, which which was not so predictable. And you know, it was, it was my home, my rehab practice and the gym I own same day, boom, gone. So, um, you know, and it was okay. Well, what are we going to do now? Well, we were going to expand to a second location. So let's do that. We're open tomorrow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm with you. I I understand that. And it's, it's cool. Humans are so resilient and so incredibly resourceful. And I think a lot of times we fail to believe that largely because I think many of us have, we benefit from living a, a life that is pretty insulated, you know, myself included. I'm not like, uh, talking down to anybody. I often, uh, reminding myself, I'm very aware that I've lived a life that is pretty adverse free. You know, it's, it's actually crazy how few true like adversities I've had to experience, but I'm at least I'm aware of it. 
right? At least I'm aware that, you know, maybe that's coming down the line and whatnot. I think if you're, if you're unaware and you live a insulated life, like we all benefit from in the year 2017 in the U S then you could be led to believe that in some adverse conditions, you might not fare so well, but if you observe human behavior, whether it's someone whose nutrition comes from a trash can and they're been a crystal meth addict for 15 years or, you know, a refugee in like a war torn area or extreme pop, whatever the scenario is like, it's really hard to kill and diminish humans. You know what I mean? And this is like, we're getting way away from fitness at this point, but I always come back to that. You know, it's like, I, you see a lot of crazy things in, in Venice, right? And Venice also isn't a third world country by any means, but people are able to survive and dare I say thrive to some extent in some horrible conditions. And so if you haven't been through any of that, I think you ought to at least be aware of your potential to endure, uh, you know, these sort of uncertainties. I think. Well, do you think you might be discounting your ability to handle adversity and the amount of stress that it maybe doesn't bring you when you say that you haven't faced it? And I don't mean in the case that like, you know, you drew you grew up in a drug house or you had any yeah. issues where you were living on the streets. I just mean the idea that you're, you're a diverse business owner. You've, you've gone for the goal that you thought was going to be who you were a professional baseball player, you know, catching at Petco, and, and yep. now you own a gym, but I, I don't think that that's a lack of adversity. I think it's just a, a different type of adversity and you're comfortable dealing with it. No. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm, I'm aware of that. I think it's just not very, um, it's not very cute to say that outright. Right. So, um, sure. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Um, I have, we all have endured our own, personal bouts with adversity and I'm very confident that if you know the proverbial you know uh shit hit the fan that I'd be just all right um but it also doesn't really pay to uh it doesn't really pay to have a perspective that assumes that right it pays bigger dividends to like you know uh feel a need for improvement Sure. You know, and that, that, that gets to like a growth mindset thing as well. It gets to a perspective that I think is more valuable than blind confidence. Right. I felt like my whole life that, uh, there's this massive duty and need to improve. And that actually serves me. And I think anybody else quite well, where if you have a general sense of comfort beyond confidence, I mean, a comfort like that you feel like you either cannot or do not need to improve is a liability. Right. So sure. I know when I was saying that half of what I was doing is uh, maybe being nice. And then maybe the other half was uh, honestly and authentically telling you that, um, 
I am not complacent in my <laughs> risk <laughs> risk aversion. <laughs> I, I don't. If you were complacent, I don't think you'd be where you are. I don't think we'd be having a conversation either. Right. It's it's it's, it's, the, it's the pursuit that's interesting. The pursuit is all it is, actually. You know, I think the the idea that there is a finish line is an illusion, and you know, it gets corny really fast. But I think that everything that is corny is true, and there's not a successful person. If you want to go extremely stereotypical with it, I mean, there's not a single successful person from like a Michael Jordan to a, you know, um, I don't know, um, Oprah, uh, an entrepreneur, o- Oprah, anybody. <laughs> yeah. There's not a single person who would confide in you that like, totally, it was a great ride, but like, I'm, I'm here now and I'm wiping my hands clean. You know, that's an illusion, I think, that we don't really understand. And so the pursuit is really all there is. And that's I'm not lost on some other notion there. Well, so so how do you bring that to the dynamic of of Deuce Gym, for example? I I don't I don't know how much people know about it, but it's 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 not it's not quite a strongman gym. It's not quite a CrossFit gym. It's definitely not a Globo gym. So. You know, what, what is the, what's the core value of what you guys are? And when, when people talk about Deuce Gym, what, what is it? Deuce Gym is a place to come learn how to move. Uh, it's a place to get coached. It's, it's a fitness school essentially. Right. And so, yeah, we're a CrossFit affiliate, the main program, the main umbrella to use our language, like the main curriculum is our general physical preparedness program, our GPP program. Um, that of course is not something that we've invented, right? We're developing broad, general, inclusive fitness. And the method for doing that in that particular program is CrossFit proudly. Um, I think a lot of people get a little bit perturbed at the lack of presence of that magic word CrossFit in our branding and uh, the signage and whatnot, And we just view that as an opportunity to educate as to what CrossFit is. You know, I tell this like brief story to a lot of people that are perspective, you know, prospective students at the gym and they're there to do their introductory session. And, uh, you know, we're in an age where CrossFit means something to virtually everyone. You know, very few people are hearing that word and be like, Oh, I've never heard of that word before, but it doesn't, you know, (laughs) evoke some, perceptions and i always say that today if you grabbed a group of individuals who were the nano wearing high sock crossfit enthusiasts who 90 percent of their facebook posts are about their workout of the day um on one end of the spectrum and then you had a group of people on the other end of the spectrum who are you know, proud haters of CrossFit. If you sat a representative down from both groups and asked them the simple question, what is CrossFit? You'd get probably two different answers and neither of them would be accurate. Right. And so when we look at what it is, it's very simple, very understandable in my opinion, very thoughtful movement practice and the things that people maybe don't like about it are the things that everyone doesn't like about it, myself included, right? It's a poor movement practice is what we don't like. And that is not, it's not CrossFit that you don't like. It's a poor representation, a poor 
interpretation of CrossFit, right? And so we like to be in charge of disseminating that information rather than have someone drive by or walk by or end up on a website and think that they have a single clue as to what happens in that space. Now that's sort of the start of the, you know, the main service that we have there, but there's also a number of specialty courses where, you know, contrasting CrossFit, the broad general inclusive fitness, there are courses where you can be quite specific, right? So there's a deuce gymnastics, right? There's deuce rowing, there's deuce strength, which is a powerlifting oriented specialty course. And then I've created strongman 101 and strongman 202, which are all specialty courses. We're starting a breathwork course. So essentially from the outset, we've created this context that this place is a place to come learn how to move and to be coached at a level that exceeds anything that you've ever experienced. The value then is that relationship to a coach and a context or a structure, not unlike a school or a university that allows one to pursue this indefinitely. You know, I often say like both you and I can take virtually all of the undergraduate courses available at MIT right now online for free. And I think we would both agree that that experience would be a little bit different than being actually enrolled as an undergrad at MIT, right? And yeah. that structure, the context, being amongst those particular peers in front of those particular professors makes or breaks that experience. Not to mention, sometimes you go to uh, some social thing and you live in a certain dorm and I don't, they, they have a football team. MIT, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think <laughs> you know so. I mean? But like college has context in the yes. same way that this gym has context. And so that's what it is. And, you know, I think that is, in my opinion, the best way for us to manifest this thing. You know, I think a lot of people are lost. It's sort of losing the plot. And, and if you believe that your value as a coach or a gym owner is that you are slaying in the hardest, most badass, gnarly workouts on the block, that's cool, I guess. It's just there's only so much value there, right? I, but, don't, I, don't, and, I don't think it's cool. I, I, you yeah. know, I, I mean, I, I respect why you're giving them that. OK, that's what you're into. But I think yeah. that there's a much higher level of responsibility when you open and own a gym, when you're when you're when you're in control, not control, it's the wrong word. But when you're responsible for somebody else's physiology, right, they come to you because they expect that they're going to be safe. They expect that you're going to help them reach their goals. They expect that, you know, that you know what you're doing. Yeah, and I think that, you know, it was kind of you. <laughs> to, to say, you know, if you're slinging really hard workouts every day, it's cool. I, you know, it looks cool online, but, but what's the attrition rate of people who are hurting your, in your facility or who are hitting your goals and who are not hitting their goals? Right. Yeah, totally. And so, I don't know, I think creating that context is something that we do well for our people. Right. It's a, and so there's a feeling and a culture around the gym that is very clear and that when people walk into that place, they believe that they are coming, yes, to do some 
training. They'll, they'll maybe sweat and do some physical activity. And maybe it's the hardest physical activity that they've ever done in their life, but that's not why they're there. And they're coming in there to, to with their thinking cap on their learning cap on to be coached and to learn and to improve. And that changes a lot of dynamics, including the dynamic that Every single person that I've sat down with for an intro has explained one way or another, completely unsolicited to me, that they detest gyms. I don't like going to the gym. And I go, hey, man, I totally agree. And I own one. They're weird places. They're not what they say they are. The vibes are horrible. No one cares about each other. You got your headphones on and you got people side eyeing you and the vibes are are weird you know fitness is such a weird industry it's such a weird thing and it in it's there's a lot of polarity there right it brings the best out of people and sometimes the worst out of people and i always find myself in this weird position how we say i'm like the most reluctant fitness coach or leader and of some sort in this fitness community, because I'm just, I was never that guy. I'm not a bicep guy. I didn't ever have a fitness magazine once as a kid. Like I don't care about any of that stuff. And I sort of backdoored into this thing in a way that oddly provides a a unique rebuttal to what the fitness industry has become in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, I, I want to join. I live in New York. That's one of the things that, you know, we're talking about with our coaches at our gym is, is, you know, what are we? And so I'm, I'm curious because we, what you just described your gym as is exactly what, um, what I would aspire our gym to be. And, and cool. I, 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 yeah, well, I mean, it's, listen, that's, that's probably what drew me to you without even knowing that that's what your answer would be for what your gym is. Right. right? I mean, like we have, um, we give seminars, coaches from other gyms come all the time to learn. You have a coach's development program that you run every weekend that anyone can yeah. come to. Right. Yeah. Did you land? I, I want to get into that more too, but did you land on this as you evolved through the process or was this like a, I'm going to open deuce gym and it's going to be a place to learn first and you're going to become fit as a byproduct of the education you gain. That was the, the vision sort of all along because remember my interest is not in biceps and just right. hard workouts. Right. And so there's, there's multiple reasons for that. The first of which the most straightforward reason is that that's where you can create the most value for your students. Um, you know, to be frank, that's what is needed in fitness. Right? There's not a lack of resources in fitness. There's not a lack of places to go do this. It's not like America is extremely sick as a country because I just can't find a place to go work out. <laughs> no. I don't know what to do. If I could just find a, a video online somewhere, I would be fit. <laughs> like that's not our problem. No. Right. That's not our problem at all. Right. And so being not that is the first reason for it. The other reason, like, and this gets more into like the coaching side of it is, you know, Deuce Gym didn't happen overnight at all. Right. This thing started in a park and for almost three years, twice a day, every day, uh, Danny and I, the guy that I started the park program and then eventually Deuce Gym with drove two pickup trucks full of gear out to the park and just, 
swore to anybody who would listen that that was a gym out in the middle of the park. And so I think, I think you're killing some dreams. You're saying you don't just pay a few thousand dollars, buy some equipment, hang a shilling and you're, and you're done. No, no, no. Those, those are the people that you can buy a gym from though, okay. by the way. There are, there's lots <laughs> of it. those for sale. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, so, the, but the, the reason why I, I say that sort of a little bit of a backstory is, you know, coaches prep, this coaches development thing was a part of the program back then. I mean, no address in the park. You're talking about like, forget horse stall mats. It's like the grass on the ground is the ground. And we'd move around and be in this sort of general nomadic area to sort of make a, a, a gym with membership and context and coaching work while you're sort of like accommodating the picnic baskets in the park and whatnot, right? But mm-hmm. even back then, we had a coach's prep program because you know this gets into another big issue in fitness is how does this grow like how is this sustainable you know if it's just me or me and Danny or or, you know if it's just a gym owner who's a charismatic guy who has a handful of people that would do anything for him because he got them abs how does that what does that look like 10 years from now are you going to work 90 hours a week for the rest of your life? Uh, could you ever evolve? Does the conversation always come out of your mouth, you know? And so that couldn't be our future, you know, at least we had enough forethought to understand that. And so I've always said that this brand and this gym and this message will only grow as large and as far and as fast as we can find and develop excellent people. And so, I mean, that's just how it is. No, it's true. You know, we, I, I, I mean, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say like, how, how does it go a hundred times out of a hundred in this, in this fitness community, right? Somebody has some, some success. They have some members who love them and some classes that are growing and then things grow. The membership grows, the class times grow. And then on a Tuesday morning at 7 a.m., these 12 people show up for their, their CrossFit class and you are not standing there anymore. It's some dude named Todd and they're like, who the fuck's this guy? Mm-hmm. And everything that they loved about their fitness experiences, you know, up for grabs and in question at this point, and they feel some sort of betrayal. And, you know, I said this on a podcast uh, just yesterday. It's like, even if that guy, Todd, who I don't know who Todd is, but even if that guy, Todd was a, just a mirror copy of your coaching ability, he knew everything that you knew and even could disseminate information in in the clarity and tone that you could, it would still feel like a concession in value because it felt like this bait and switch thing. Where did he come from? You know? And so the coaches development program, you know, not for nothing. Of course it develops what I would say is a a, a very viable coach. It also turns that experience on its head. When someone becomes a new coach at the gym, there's almost like a metaphorical standing ovation that's happening, right? Because these people have watched this person walk on hot coals and just go through the ringer in this program 
for however long it took them to get there, months, years, you know, whatever the case is. And they, when this person, this new guy, Todd, teaches the warm up or teaches the whole class, God forbid, they are cheering him. Right. You, you made it, man. Hell, you, oh, you teaching the workout today. That's good. Congratulations. You know, that's the exact opposite experience in terms of value, not just for the students, but for the new guy and for the gym, you know? So the, there's, I would argue that the lifeblood of what we do is this coaches prep program. What's up, guys? Dr. Sean here. I just wanted to interrupt the show for a quick moment to remind you that if you're looking for more content from us than we give on this show, you can head to our website, performancecarerx.com. We have links to our YouTube channel, our one-on-one programming options, our Bulletproof programs, seminars, and even assessments and treatment in person linked right there at performancecarerx.com. You guys are amazing. We appreciate you tuning in and listening to this show. We appreciate you following us on social media at ActiveLifeRx. And I want to get you guys right back to this conversation because I know that's what you're really here for. So without further interruption, enjoy the show. Well, so, so I think you hit on some things that, that are much bigger than you, than you're giving them credit for when you're saying it out loud, you know, um, you're trying to develop great people who, who aren't just great people, but who could probably develop other great people themselves. Yeah. And so I think that's a, that, that, that's a mastery level skill to be able to develop someone who could develop someone to do the job because then, then you're sustainable. And then the second layer to that is you have to be so immensely confident in yourself and vulnerable with, with your own knowledge to allow somebody else that much access to your energy that for all, you know, they're going to turn around and go open a gym down the block. And I know that that's not the, that's not the fear. You don't concern it because it's, you do what you do. And if someone opens great, hopefully they can be successful too. I just don't think that people understand what you just said on, on the levels that you said it until maybe they give it some thought. Yeah, I, I hear that for sure. There's, there's levels, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, there's definitely levels and, you know, people are going to hear, they're going to hear any conversation, especially this one at whatever level maybe that they're able to receive it at. Um, hopefully I can deliver something on all of the levels. Um, but you know, what we just talked about comes back to what I said in the very beginning of this, which is this responsibility to evolve. Right. So the, the trick is, the people, for example, in coaches prep thinking that this is a chore of mine to develop them. And thanks coach. I got some value now and I'm a better coach, but actually it's not that, uh, charitable. (laughs) Uh, I have to do this because this is my own evolution, right? If I am coaching, air squats and saying knees out for the next six years, I am not getting better. Right. You know? And so what's my, you know, let's rewind the tape. What's my evolution. Well, you are a new coach. You have no value. You barely know what you're doing. You have a past as a, uh, athlete at a high level and, uh, 
personal training somebody is worth uh, a lot to you and maybe it's worth 10 bucks an hour to them. All right, well, you get some experience and now maybe it's worth 50 bucks an hour and maybe there's no price anymore and you have to train people in groups or it's not of any value. And now maybe you need to own a gym because it's actually not the coaching the hour of class that is the greatest value. And then it looks like, can I coach another person to coach ignorant people? And that's one layer. And then can I coach someone else to coach another coach? That's another level, right? Mm -hmm. And then can I coach another person who owns a gym who coaches other coach, right? And then this goes on forever, right? What is the next evolution? And, and so that's how coaches prep works. You know, people ask all the time, how, how long is coaches prep? And I go, well, maybe forever. I don't know how, I don't know if you'll ever be a good coach. So you might be in this for the next 10 years, you know? So how long do I need to learn for? Right. Until you figure it out. I don't know. Hopefully I can help you quickly, but not everyone is going to understand this, you know? So do your full-time coaches still come to coaches prep just for a brush up on the fundamentals? Yeah, absolutely. They're a huge part of the conversation. Sure. Right? I imagine and they so, be. so, you know, look, just for the sake of talking about the structure of it, uh, the thing on the weekends that you mentioned is a practical class on Saturdays at 8am, but that's just one third of what the program is. And I would argue it's, it's definitely not the most important part. Right. Um, you know, one of these parts is this testing. There's like three, levels of testing. And I would argue that's actually the least important part, um, for some very obvious reasons. You know, everybody wants to talk about, man, you can open a gym, you can open a CrossFit gym after a weekend at a level one, like that doesn't make you a good coach. And it's like, okay, uh, maybe so, but what does make you a good coach? I mean, there's, I don't know, uh, hundreds, maybe thousands of people that I graduated college with that I would never do business with. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what makes you it, being a good coach makes you a good coach. Of course, there's no weekend. It's going to make you a good coach. There's also not a year long program. that's going to make you a good coach. It's too complex for that. Right. So we have a testing program or a testing element to it. And there's three parts. There's a written test and there's a verbal test. And then there's some practical evaluation in which all the coaches are critiqued by the same criteria criteria. And that is mostly a formality, right? Just to keep people moving along. Coaches prep can turn into like the cool kids club where people just end up being stagnant and not involving themselves. And so that just forces the issue that they must move forward or move out. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the second part is this thing on Saturdays, which I think is really important it's not the most important, but it's really important. That's where all of the coaches and all of the prospective coaches get together and the curriculum or whatever we talk about evolves. Uh, different topics come up, different drills go on, different exercises. Sometimes we have homework, sometimes we don't. But it's not a, a book-ended linear thing. You know, we don't just talk about programming once and then that's – where it starts and ends, we come back to it, except for that conversation must evolve. So maybe whereas two years ago, I was the only person that will say lectured, if we want to use that word on programming, uh, the next time it came up, maybe a current coach at the gym was assigned 
the task of giving that lecture. So now hopefully I've taught them in a way that can be held accountable in front of the class. And then the class then will be holding this person accountable for his or her ability to disseminate the information. And if you're brand new, you're learning the information on a brand new level as well. Right. And so Mm -hmm. that continually evolves. Well, the third part is probably the most important part, which is this mentorship. So everybody is assigned a coach in at least one class during the week in which they must shadow and they come to that class with a minute by minute class plan as if they were teaching the class. And that's where like the nitty gritty conversations go on and the feedback goes on and the super accelerated learning, I would argue even greater than the learning that happens on Saturdays. Happens. And so that's the structure of it. It's a cool program. Excuse um, me. You don't, you don't get anything for, finishing it <laughs> sure you do you don't get anything, you, know, you don't get anything tangible uh, yeah. but you get plenty for finishing yeah, it. yeah you, you you get yeah you're right you get that but it is it is uh as my buddy nick mccoy uh we were teammates in college and he trains at the gym now he says it is um necessary but not sufficient right <laughs> so <laughs> So do you have a coach? Now, I mean, you know, let, let's go back a little bit. You, you opened the gym when you were 23 years old. Who, who taught you? Yeah, so um, I had a lot of great coaches. I was very lucky. So going through my baseball career, I had remarkable not only sport coaches, but sort of team sports psychologists that fell into my lap and strength coaches that fell into my lap. And I'm fully aware that at the division one level, uh, strength and conditioning can still be quite spotty. Uh, I had an excellent coach by the name of Shannon Turley for a couple of years who is uh, two time. Uh, I don't even know what the award would be called two time strength coach of the year in NCAA division one sports. He's uh, the head strength coach at Stanford for the football program. Excellent technician. And that was one sort of perspective. And then Stefan Roche replaced him when he left with coach Harbaugh up to Stanford. And Stefan was one of the early flow masters for CrossFit. Okay. Taught the level one, uh, you know, way back in the day. I mean, he still works for CrossFit, but so that's where the sort of introduction to CrossFit came. Um, and so I guess I was just aware, like we talked about earlier, aware throughout this whole journey as to what was going on around me. And so when I finished my baseball career, I wanted to move back to where I'm from Los Angeles here. And so I asked coach Roche who I should go learn from. I I shared with him this sort of like unofficial business plan to create a fitness school. And he said, go directly to Andy Petronic who created Petronic fitness, which then became the ninth CrossFit affiliate ever CrossFit Los Angeles. And I just basically you know, emailed him and told him I was going to be the best intern he's ever had and take out his trash and clean really well and all this stuff. And so I learned a lot about the CrossFit application from him, which was actually like a perfect mentor to have in the CrossFit space, because at that time CrossFit was very young and he was arguably one of just less than a handful of gym owners that 
could create value and had a viable business, you know? And so that was, that was a key takeaway from and, him. And did you work while you were interning for Andy? <laughs> um, I did, but I was able to, and this is the whole skill transfer thing, right? People want to tell you that they shouldn't pursue their, their passion or their goals because it is unsafe and it's a liability. Well, you know, when I finished my career, even though I didn't want to continue to pursue baseball, I was a subject matter expert in it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I made a living at least enough for a young person, um, working just two or three days a week as a coach at a, uh, baseball Academy down in, um, Orange County. And so I could make enough money to survive just working a couple of days and then had enough time then to pursue the deliberate practice of a new venture. And so that's how I was able to do both. And I think that's so valuable. The idea that you didn't come out and say, okay, I want to open a gym now and open a gym. You came out and you said, I want to open a gym now. Let me make sure I know what I'm doing. And, and, and you were willing to sacrifice time and effort elsewhere while you gained the education that you felt like you needed to get and work for that. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think, it, you know, when you're in that moment, you're, uh, you know, at least if you're smart, you're going to do everything that you can to put yourself in a position to have success. But I was also like a psychopath in terms of, uh, you know, optimism. You know, I remember sitting down with Andy, I think, you know, my first day as an intern was June 1st. And I remember we, we had to make this deal of like how many hours of cleaning and taking the mail out and all this stuff equaled like a free class or however we chopped it up. And, uh, the other thing we had to iron out was how long I would commit to this, you know, cause he didn't want to see the intern sort of pop in and then get over it mm -hmm. three weeks in and quit. And I remember telling him like, well, I don't want to commit too long. I want to honor your, your, your time and what you say, but I don't want to commit too long because, you know, I'm going to have this gym, you know, we were very clear from the outset of what, why I was there. And, uh, so I, I said, let's just say through the new year. <laughs> so that's what, June, July, August, you know what I mean? That's six, through, months. That's six months, uh, seven months. Yeah. Yeah. Like two and a half years later, <laughs> you know, I was like saying my goodbyes Right. So, um, why do you think, why do you think you stayed there two and a half years? What do you think, what wasn't happening? And then what did happen that you're like, okay, yeah, I got enough. Um, it takes time, you know, you need, you need people to love you. You need, uh, raving fans. Uh, you need to be, you know, obviously you got to get good at your craft and, and whatnot, but, uh, you know, getting the the following and creating the structure and frankly getting the money and you know what i mean like there's so many it's a natural evolution there's so many things right and even though i played a sport for a living i didn't have a briefcase full of money you know i wasn't a millionaire right so mm -hmm. um it evolved naturally um and it's best that it did i would say yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd say so. I'm, no. I'm just impressed by the commitment. You know, the idea that it's, it's not a, okay, I want to open a gym. So I'm going to open a gym. It's, it's, there's a process before I do that so that it can be the best gym that it can be. 
Yeah, there is a process. There's a process to everything. I think, again, we like what we said in the beginning, my pursuit of this goal, and, and I firmly believe that the goal doesn't matter, the details of the goal, taught taught me everything that I needed to know about that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When you, when you look at everybody that you know in the face when you're in elementary school and you tell them that you're going to be a professional baseball player when you grow up and you deal with whatever comes your way after you say something crazy like that. Um, you know, it, it, you know, commitment, that's for sure. Like I remember at a young age, uh, I always talk about goal setting. Like the easiest thing is to want something. That's like the easiest part of goal setting. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, you want a Ferrari? I'm like, yeah, sure. It's great. I love Ferraris. I love puppies. I love money. I love whatever the goal is. Right. Like that's the easiest part. The, the hard part, especially if you're, goals like most of our goals are are remarkable is uh you know executing on them and i remember being relative to my peers very different in that i was extremely clear as to what it meant and what was required of someone who wanted what i wanted right who wanted the goals that i had and so intrinsically by myself, I was able to, to, I was self-motivated. You know, I didn't have like a crazy dad or like a weird, like relationship with a coach who was like forcing me to do all this stuff. I was a complete psycho with my work ethic and focus because I wanted this for myself. And, you know, that teaches you a lot, you know, you don't like unknow that. So I'll, I'll die before somebody beats me at this gym shit. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, I mean the the weird thing and and nobody, this is not a popular thing to say, but like, you know, when I got out of my own experience with the sport of baseball, which I don't even watch sports really. I'm not like a sports fan in that type of way, but I love the sport enough to play it. Um, It's an awful sport in a lot of ways. It's very, uh, demanding psychologically. There's a lot of failure involved and, and whatnot. And so, you know, I'm extremely good at failing. That's basically what I what I've earned in that thing. And so, when I got out, this is the unpopular thing to say, is that, you know, people tell you your whole life that life is so hard and it's just it's hard out there. Bills in the real world, and like I get it it, you know, it's, it has its challenges, but it feels quite easy as a matter of fact, like, uh, you know, the, the people in which you're competing against, this is what I feel. Don't understand an attention to detail or a work ethic or a commitment that I think you're, you learn in a certain rite of passage, like, you know, in my example, just a silly pursuit of like baseball. Right. And, um, when you look at it through that lens, it's pretty easy. You know, uh, it's, it's really easy to be excellent in the real world. Um, because most people are not held to the standard of excellence that is required to be in the top, whatever half percent of your sport, you know? And so that skill transfer thing was just such a beautiful asset for me to where 
it didn't really matter how long it took. We were going to figure out how to do this. And so thank God I wanted to play some baseball. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't baseball, it would have been something else. I can tell you that. Yeah, you, yeah. I mean, you, you, baseball obviously came to you, but I have a feeling you have some other skills too. So yeah, I, I guess. Where do you get your education from now? You don't strike me as the kind of guy who's like, "All right, cool, I know it now." But it, yeah, no, I'm I'm done. I'm I'm done. <laughs> I, 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 I know it all now. So uh, no, that's, um, that's funny. You know, uh, people have told me in the last few years that a skill, and I agree with them now, a skill that I've developed is that um, I surround myself with unbelievable people. And um, I think some of that came from just an attraction to excellence. I'm obsessed with uh, people who are pursuing their peak expression. And when you have seen that and you know that, it makes it really hard to spend any time with and supporting some self-sacrifice cowardice expression of life you know and so i am surrounded by the best people in the world and i'm extremely lucky you know i I really am um you know so there's a number of people in my life everybody in my life is just an inspiration i live in this you know accidentally created bubble that holds myself to a standard that makes it's really impossible for me to fail at this point because everybody would let me have it <laughs> you know what i mean uh you know and so that's huge to specifically answer your question the, the most recent evolution of my learning is actually transcending fitness a little bit i'm, I'm writing a book right now and i have enrolled the most challenging perfect person to help me do that that I could think of and that is a my favorite professor from college her name's Dr. Kara Miller and she she went to bat for me at the end of my um, career at USD you know I was a senior who was able to edge out a minor in leadership studies, which is a thing. Um, USD was <laughs> USD was the second school, I believe, to build a leadership school on campus. And, and uh, you know, with AP credits and whatnot, I was able to carve out enough time to graduate on time with a minor. And so it was of interest and I pursued it. Long story short, the capstone course was required of the minor and it was, it came at a time that I could not attend just with our schedule. You know, the the spring season, we're traveling every weekend. It just wouldn't have worked. And so I went to the department and said, Hey, I'm extremely motivated to, to represent this program and finish this program and lead in the world. I'm, I'm a leader here. Um, and I am unable to make this time and I'm not going to come here a fifth year just to take this class. I will do anything that it takes. You can make the course harder, whatever you need to do, but is there something we can do? And they were, they didn't know what to do with that. They, they, <laughs> they, they, they were just like, no, I don't know what to tell you. So I just found the professor. I went up to her desk and told her my story and I didn't hear this background story for years later, but, um, Kara told me that she went to the department chair many times and just basically told them if this, 
is not the person that we want to graduate from this program, then who do we want to graduate from this program? We built this place for athletes and military and leaders in the community, future CEOs. And this guy's done everything we've asked of him. And we have one opportunity for him to take this class. He can't take it because they're trying to win a national championship for this, or this university. Um, and she basically created an independent study for me. And so I took the final course at her desk one-on-one every week. And uh, it was gnarly uh, because there's no place to hide when you're the only person in class. <laughs> I say not. <laughs> and, you know, her story is insane. She's a PhD. She now teaches at Harvard and is a consultant. And her specialty is in adult development and organizational culture. And what I mean by adult development is, you know, positive psychology is sort of newer in the world of psychology, right? So you can imagine that for the bulk of the existence of um, psychology, it's been like around um, conditions, you know, treating people who have psychological um, issues and, and whatnot. And it's not until recently that positive psychology in terms of like peak performance and, um, you know, self-actualization and flow states and all these things are, are more modern. Well, it's also been sort of emerging in academia that the human consciousness evolves beyond adolescence. So sort of the, the old school thinking was that the, the brain goes through these stages. You know, we see babies develop new perspectives and then we can become compassionate people. We understand um, empathy. And then, you know, these stages through maturation happen up through adolescence. But then it was believed that once we became uh, adults, that our brains didn't really evolve consciously. We just kind of gained new experiences. Well, we know that that's not true anymore. And that there are stages beyond that. And so this is what is sort of providing an interesting backbone for me to evolve not only myself, but to lead and create organizations and lead people that they themselves are evolving. And um, that is where I'm getting weird and pushing my own learning. And it's a little bit less movement based, but, um, that's okay. Yeah. That's, that's what's up. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know where to go from there. I, you know, to, to me, this was, this, for me, this is a, this has been an extremely enjoyable conversation. We have a, a lot more in common than, than, than you might know. Um, yeah. and I would love to talk to you again about this stuff and, and just go off on all kinds of tangents. Cause for me, this was, I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed it too. You know, I, I appreciate it. You know, like you said, we, we haven't really met, but I feel connected to you and I appreciate what you do. Um, you know, I just feel committed to doing the hard thing and, and moving the needle forward. And I, I see that you're doing that. And, uh, I'm just going to keep trying to do it too, man. <laughs> All right. I'll reach back out soon. I, I, again, man, I appreciate your time, Logan. Thank you. No problem. Thank you for listening to the active life podcast today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, 
please make sure you head to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating so that we can grow and reach and help more people. If you're looking for more from me and my team, head to performancecarerx.com. All the help you're looking for is right there. Until next time, guys, I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch, and the process is the goal.